one really important thing I learned is that the packaging of these gifts is not always pretty. So there are some... One, action. Hey guys, welcome back to Keep It 99, the most edifying podcast in the world. And we're joined here today with a very special, very special guest, uh, Mrs. Madonna Lewindy. Thank you from the Raising Up Cops podcast. Thank you for coming on to the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Isaiah. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, it's been, you know, an honor and a pleasure to, uh, you know, have you on the podcast and hopefully this is a, a decent episode. So uh, <laughs> we'll get started. Um, so your podcast is about being a parent and raising kids um, within the Coptic Church. So my first question for you is, like, as a parent, what is your best friend when you're raising kids? Ooh, that is a really good question. So for now, so just so you know, the tagline of Raising Up Cops, it's raising Coptic kids in Western cultures. So it's kind of like where that junction is, where, you know, the Coptic uh, traditions and the ancient faith intersects with raising up kids in this Western world. And so ironically, the best source of information we have is the ancient faith. And I know that that sounds really stereotypical, but truly, if we look at the way that things trend, um, even a lot of the new trends now can all be rooted back to the ancient faith. When you think about like the, the trend of intermittent fasting and mindfulness and all those things, really this all comes from things we do in our church since the beginning of time. So a lot of the times just being well-versed in what the um, Desert Fathers and what the ancient faith teaches us and what our Coptic tradition tells us is our best friend for how to approach children with kindness, with love, and then also just reflecting back on how God treats us as his children. That is the ultimate gift that we have and example that we have. Yeah, and I think, like, going back to the education point, like, the education is so important, like, being educated, well-versed in your faith, and also, um, like, in the realm of parenting. And I think, um, you know, you don't get a handbook when you become a parent, like, how to parent. Like, it's not a thing. Like, you, you don't, you just have to, like, learn through experience. So what are ways that we as you know, a community of believers can support parents in a way from like an educational standpoint? Honestly, Isaiah, it really all comes down to communication. And I know that that's, again, a very stereotypical answer. But if I can, like you as the generation, a couple of generations under me, right? If you can communicate with me and tell me these are the current struggles we're having, these are the things that I'm thinking about, these are the things that I wish somebody would have told me, you're closer in age to my kids than I am, right? So if you are telling me these things, I can be prepared and I can have an open line of communication with my own children before they reach that point. So if if there's more like intergenerational mingling, if there's more intergenerational just like back and forth, I'm sharing my information with you and you're sharing with me. I'm already setting us all up. We're setting us ourselves up for success that way because we don't need to reinvent the wheel, right? Like I don't need you, I don't need to come through all my experiences and learn from the beginning if you've already been there. It isn't better for you to just share with me and I share with you. So I really think that the best form of support is just tell it like it is, you know, what are you struggling with? What what kind of things do you see happening? And what they say about it taking a village to raise a kid, it's so true. Like it can't just be, we can't be in our silo of like me and my family and we do what we're gonna do and that's it. I need to know what's going on around me and you need to know what's going on around you. So I just wish there was more of that like interaction. 
as support. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, we went on a mission trip uh, this summer, and that's one of the things that was very, um, like, very apparent, very striking to me was that the conversations that we had between the generations were so rich and had, you know, I learned a lot, and I think they were, you know, very um, influential in, like, how I kind of have lived my life since. So I, th- I agree with you on that um, in- intergenerational thinking um, and, like, processing of information, but how do we take that and how do we put it into practice? Um, because the way how maybe our church services are function now is that every age group has their own thing. So how do we kind of encourage this mingling of, uh, of generations to build uh, the knowledge that way? That's a great question. And actually, it's really funny. And I feel like God is using you to speak right now because we are trying to plan a women's retreat coming up. And normally we would separate it out by like ages, you know, but what we decided to do now is let's just get everybody from the Tetas to like the younger uh, generation together and figure out ways that when they're in the same room together that they have to mingle. Like it's not just like, because let's be honest, even if we're all in the same room together, you're going to gravitate towards the people that are similar to you. So we have to almost, for now, orchestrate ways for us to get together and have these conversations. So creating like a mentor program even, you know, like where I can go to somebody older than me. Like for me, one of the biggest things that I do in parenting is I look for a a family that's ahead of me that has kids that do things that I would want my kids to do. And I latch on. Like I am a parasite when it comes to that. I latch on and I say, teach me like what what helped you what did you struggle with what was good for you and I think that if we kind of trickle that down into everything where you need to be vigilant and say like there's a person that's doing what I want to do and there's a person that's living the way that I want to live doesn't matter what age they are what they look like or what they're doing in life just is it what you want yes go talk to them go ask them the question I've never encountered a situation where somebody was like I don't know you I'm not sharing my life with you People, when you really show a genuine interest in, and you appreciate them for who they are and what they've done, they're so willing to teach you and to sit with you and to tell you. And I really think that we need to find more power in that and do that more. Yeah, and I think you know, going back to like the ancient faith, like that, the church in its wisdom has already done that. Like we look at the lives of saints, people who, you know, some of them are died at eighty-five, some of them were martyred at nine. Like. You have all these different age ranges, all these different people from different backgrounds, different um, socioeconomic uh, places, like just people from all over, everywhere and anywhere. And we latch on to to them because that's the life we want to live. We see the life they live and that's what we want to live. So in the same way, like, again, the church has has everything. So it's like always trying to like um, go, go to that. So how can we as a community, as a church, and then in the individual like home level, create an environment that's nurturing um, for kids to kind of trust uh, trust their parents with like telling them things. Because I think that's one of the biggest struggles uh, in a Coptic household. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, full disclosure, <laughs> everyone can hear. I was a master liar growing up. I was a master liar at parents. Well, let me put it this way. I can't say I was a master because I definitely got caught multiple times, but I tried very much because to me, it was easier to bend the truth or not tell the truth at all or omit facts than to deal with the lashback that I was going to get no matter what I was saying. I felt like I was always going to get some sort of strong reaction. You're laughing because you can relate, right? Uh, I'm not going to (laughs) comment. 
I think that like one of the things that uh, my husband Danny and I have been trying to do, and we're not always successful, is to keep a neutral reaction to things. So when our kids come and tell us that they've done something wrong, and they're still so young, like their their wrong things are so minor, but like this is how we build the trust, right? So if they are now at seven, well now eight and almost six, and they're coming to tell me like I spilled water all over the floor and I got like the whole rug wet, and I'm like, wow, why aren't you ever careful? Why don't you ever pay attention? This is like the tenth time you've done this. The next time, what's gonna happen? They're just gonna be like, I'm not telling mom. I'm gonna figure it out. I'm gonna be scared. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell them. So what we do now is like, thank you for telling me the truth. What do I need to do now? So the second part of that is talking through them how to problem solve, so that they know like they can come to us for help. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> it's not a thing you're saying. I promise. <laughs> just like giving them the tools to. Uh, be self-sufficient, but at the same time to know mommy and daddy are always going to be there to at least help you and walk you through things. And so um, for me, I just feel like if our, if as parents we do a better job at just staying neutral, our kids will eventually keep building that trust of mom and dad are going to help, not just freak out no matter what I'm doing, right? And so I feel like that has been a common theme with a lot of Coptic household. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you think about that? Um, and no, I actually, I really like that. I really appreciate that. Um, being on the other side of childhood, um, I think that's, that's a great thing. But I think the most challenging time um, is the teenage years. And it's, it's obviously, it's a two-way street. It's not yeah. the parents' fault. It's not the kids' fault 100% on either, on either way. Um, <laughs> sorry, my parents watch this, so I know they're going to they're gonna comment on, <laughs> after, after this comes Mr. out. Mr. and Mrs. Okay. Bokhtar, I promise we're not saying anything wrong. <laughs> I will um, tell you, can I, sorry, can I just say something really quickly? Ahead. Because even if you look at it from your parents' perspective, um, if my kid is freaking out and lashing out at me and going crazy, I am going to react to that in a negative no, I, way. Yeah, I agree right? 100%. Yeah. So one thing that I would ask of my child, even if you can't articulate exactly what you're feeling, come and say, I've had a hard day. I don't feel like talking. Or today has been really rough and everyone feel, I feel like everyone's mad at me. I'm just not in a good mood. I'm not going to sit there and push at that moment. But at least I can respect, okay, I need to approach you with a little more grace and a little more dignity and respecting your space for that moment. And I'm going to say, okay, I hear you for now. Like, do whatever you need to do. And that way I know that if you are going to be in a bad mood, there's a reason there. But if I'm constantly getting just the lashing out and the, the bad mood and the sass and the attitude and I have no background, I'm just going to say, you're just disrespectful. You're not telling me anything. You're clearly, this is just a bad attitude you're having. So if, if you do your part of communicating that small amount, <laughs> right, then yeah. maybe that they'll, they'll kind of, or we as parents can be like, okay, I hear you. I'll back off for a little bit, you know. And that's kind of where that trust as a two-way street came. I was yes. kind of answering my, actually my next question. Uh, it's like, you know, how the teenager can elicit the trust of their parents is by having, again, like the open communication, making sure that, you know, there's, it, it's a two-way dot, it's a two-way street. It's not, you know, when you're like eight years old, it's more of a one-way street. Mm. You know, one side of the street is bigger than the other. But when you're, you know, 16, 17, like even 15, like it's really two ways. Um, 
and it's it's all about like setting yourself up for the future right. like i remember when i was uh 15 16 like that that the future was never a thought on my mind like i would never think about the future i never think not in terms of like where am i going to be in five years like what job do i want to have none of that but it's like when it comes to terms of relationship with my family or my friends like you know who are the people that I want to be friends with in five years from now? You know, what type of relationship do I want to have with my parents when we talk about college, when we talk about, you know, other things in life, you know, that, that come. So it's always about thinking ahead. I think now that um, I'm 18, I'm matured a little bit, you know, you start thinking about how can I win the person and not necessarily the argument. Mm. Um, that's definitely something that I've struggled with for sure in the past. Um, so what are ways maybe that, we can kind of overcome this idea of we have to win every argument versus winning over the person. Oh man, I feel like when I figure that out, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think just keeping perspective, um, because definitely, I think this came out more when I got married, more so than being a parent, was understanding that we are a team. It's like us against the problem. It's not me and you against each other. And so it, when you always keep that perspective and say, we are solution focused, we are not winning focused, okay? We are trying to figure out how do we solve this problem. Even if the, even if the problem is you against me, we need to figure out how to coexist and live together and how we're gonna like, get across that hump together. We accomplish nothing by it's either your way or my way, right? And I even like, I'll teach my kids this when it comes to things that they want to share, but they don't know how to share it well. You know, they they are fighting like, no, it's my turn, no, it's your turn. Okay, let's think about actually how to solve this. It doesn't really matter whose turn it is. What are you going to do about it in this situation that is going to appease both parties and is going to solve the problem? And they'll usually come up with a really great solution, like, oh, we'll use a timer, okay, you go first, and whatever, okay? Um, and I realize that's a really simplified way to look at it, but just understanding that you are on the same team with God, right, then that puts everything into perspective. You are not trying to solve, you're not trying to just win. You want to just come out of this on the other side whole, not broken, not tattered, not abused, you want to come out of this hole together to the other side. And I think that perspective is extremely important in, in a lot of things. Like like you said at the end, like putting the perspective of us and God. I think a lot of times when it comes to relationships, um, friendships, anything, like we forget about God because mm -hmm. we're always focused on the other person or the group of people. So it's, it's always about, you know, where are we in terms of God? So another question I have is now that you are a parent, how has that shifted that perspective of how your parents parented you? I have a lot more humility. I, at the beginning, you know, when I was younger and before I had kids, I was really good at nitpicking all the things they did incorrectly. If I were a parent, I wouldn't do this and I wouldn't do that and I would definitely do this and I would definitely do that, right? And any parent will tell you, once they get the kid, <laughs> everything changes. And you're like, oh my goodness, I can see why they thought about it. Even if we still don't agree with what my parents did or with what our parents did we can at least understand okay they did the best with what knowledge they had they had to work with whatever information was given to them and they had the extra like again going back to our Coptic culture they had the added uh, difficulty of overcoming their culture in a new place like it's so much harder and so and like I think back about how much I'm struggling now even though I've grown up here and then adding that to it, they really, really yeah. had it rough, right? So I think 
a lot of it comes down to we need to just show grace and humility and say my parents are doing the best they can with the information they have and on the flip side of that as parents we need to know when to apologize to our kids we need to know when to say to them I had a big reaction I did something wrong I'm really sorry like I shouldn't have done that I shouldn't have said that I shouldn't have doled out that punishment it was probably thoughtless and I was just mad being able to have the humility to say that it mends so many so many things Isaiah just being able to like because you know what else it does it allows your kid to also have permission to mess up and to apologize and that again this is rooted back in our ancient faith God never said you need to be perfect you need to strive for perfection and when you mess up you ask for forgiveness and you get that you know hell I don't know I'm trying to think of the word in English absolution the absolution for that sin and I think it goes it we need to ask for absolution from one another just like we ask for absolution from God and in the same way I mean if you look at the liturgy um, we have uh, the prayer of reconciliation which yeah. is reconciling with God and with one another so it goes back again to the church has everything yes. um, <laughs> it always does <laughs> um, so in Matthew 7 uh, 11 it says if you know if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the father give to those who ask him um, and it's a beautiful verse depicting you know how God gives good gifts to his children um, through the lens of parenting how can we strive to be more like children of God in uh, as being parents I so going back to the gifts thing one really important thing I learned is that the packaging of these gifts is not always pretty so there are several times that I am wanting to give my children something and they see it as a punishment but I'm trying to help them right like I know that in the future this is going to serve them really well like if I tell them they need to work hard at their schoolwork or if I'm telling them like you need to suffer through this math lesson that I know you hate it doesn't look pretty to them and it doesn't sound nice to them and it doesn't feel good to them but I know that if they get through this one they're gaining knowledge and two they're learning how to be long-suffering and something they don't know how to do the that is a long-term gift that I'm giving them God does the same thing with us and when we understand I think that sometimes like when we think of gifts we always see it as something pleasant something happy something that's really easy for us Sometimes it doesn't look like that, and I think that's that we need to recognize that. And we can use that in our parenting, teach our kids that. And the kids also need to understand, sometimes when mom and dad are telling you something, they're not trying to punish you. It's for a long-term good gift, I promise, you know. But it, that goes back to that trust thing. I, I saw something recently that said, you know, if somebody you know and love fully, and they know that, and you know that they love you fully, and they say, I have something for you. Are you excited or are you scared? Usually you're excited. You're looking forward to that thing with anticipation because you know it's coming from somebody who loves you. But if it's from a stranger and they say, I have something for you, you're like, what? Is it going to be something bad? Is it gonna be something good? Is it like, what are you doing? Are you going to hurt me? Like, what is it? You're looking at that thing with anxiety instead of anticipation. And so it's important that when you've connected, when you leave enough moments of connection between your family and there is enough time to create a bond and trust then when you say to your kid there's something that I want to give you no matter how it looks they trust you and they know that it, it's a good gift it's a loving gift and that's 
exactly what happens with us and God. I, I really like that. Actually, I never thought about it like that, about like the packaging of a gift. And I'll say like for my own personal life, like I've definitely seen that, not just with my parents, but also with God. Um, I don't like admitting this on camera, especially my parents are watching, but there's a lot of things where my parents, you know, maybe said I shouldn't do or, you know, maybe disciplined me in a certain way that at the time was, um, my reaction wasn't very positive towards that. But looking back on it, it's like, wow, like the wisdom that your parents have, you know, like, like the saying, like, mom always knows best. Like, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that. Like, it's, it's, it, it is very true. Like, I, don't, I don't really know how they know everything, but, you know, at the end they do. But it's important to note they know best, but they may not always deliver best. <laughs> yeah, ag- agreed, 100%. Yeah, so like we, we know what the end goal is. I know what I want for my kids, but sometimes with my own human emotions, right, you get wrapped up in how you're feeling about things and you're like, ah, you can do something in anger, say something in anger that wasn't exactly right. But in the end, no, I did it for good reason, but I didn't do it right, I'll be honest. So I think it's important to keep that in mind. Again, showing grace to your parents goes a long way (laughs) yeah for sure um so you have kind of a um a unique um part of your life when it comes to parenting that you homeschool your kids i do um what is that like what is kind of that experience you know being both their teacher and their mom and you know what is that like i used to be a public school teacher so i really thought that i like i would have 30 kids at a time so i was like oh i have my two kids this is going to be a breeze it's night and day. It's not the same thing at all. And if anything, I would say that me having teaching background has actually proven to be a disadvantage. And shockingly, the only background knowledge I need to have in order to homeschool is to know my kids. That's it. Um, All the knowledge, the textbook knowledge is provided for you. But I need to know that my son needs to learn math in this way. And my daughter, she receives information best in this way. It comes down to just can I understand them and them understand me? So I will say the first year of homeschooling was a wreck. It was such a wreck. It was very difficult, lots of challenges. We were not on the same page at all. I was like trying to, I was trying to do school at home, which it's not the same thing. And I was trying to make them do things that I would do in a classroom that just doesn't work. And so it took a while to get to this point that we're at now where we have this beautiful rhythm. There's a symphony, like they understand me and I understand them. And it was a long, hard road, but it really just came down to me understanding who they were as people before as students, before them as students. So as a mother, this was great for me. Like, this has been such a blessing because the knowledge came later. Like, the knowledge was going to come no matter what. But understanding my kids, I get such a unique perspective. And I find that when they were in school, and I realized they went to preschool before I took them out, but... When they were in school, my time with them was so limited. I didn't get a chance to truly know them and to truly learn their being, their inner being. And now that I have all this time with them, I get the whole package. So it's been a blessing for sure. So how is that um, maybe different from, I mean, like, uh, aside from the time thing and, you know, not really understanding your kids, it's a beautiful thing that you have that time to really understand them. But how are people, because not everyone can homeschool, how can people you know, develop that level of a connection with their kids without necessarily homeschooling them? I have a ready answer for you. Don't overschedule your kids. Don't keep them busy for no reason. I think a lot of the times we always say that 
kids need to stay busy, and they do, but with the right things. They don't have to be in a billion sports. They don't have to be in a billion theater productions and all these things. I think that the time that you have at home after the kids go to school is very, it's like they have to come home and do homework, and then you got to eat dinner, and then you got to go to bed. And so all of that is last, lost when you also have to add in going out of the house and doing something almost every day of the week. I think that if there is an intentional focus on connecting as a family two or three times a week, even if it's only dinner time, but it's intentional, it's worth everything. Because your kids see the effort, they're not an afterthought, and you're not just trying to usher them from one thing to another and get them to the next morning to do it all over again. You're exerting effort to say, I see you, I see your needs, I love who you are as a person and who God created you, and I want that time with you. I thoroughly enjoy getting to spend that time with you. That's all, if you look at any kid, that's all they care about. Like, they love the sports, and they'll say, like, I love playing soccer, and I love going to gymnastics. They'll always say that. But in the end, if you say, if you have to choose between gymnastics and going to Chuck E. Cheese with mom and dad, guess what they're going to choose? They're going to choose Chuck E. Cheese with mom and dad. They're like, yes, I want to spend time with mom and dad. Play a board game, I want to do that with mom and dad. Take me to a playground, I want to do that with mom and dad. That's what they want to do above anything else. So just intentional focus on family connection, even if it can't be throughout the day, I think it's worth everything. Yeah, and even though I was um, in a billion sports and I did you know, tons and tons of endless things as a kid, um, I think the one thing that my parents really focused on was dinner time. Yeah. You know, I think up until probably high school, we had, which I mean, it's sad now that we don't do it, but like <laughs> up until like the beginning of high school, we would have dinner as a family every single, whether you liked it or not, every <laughs> single night, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, and e- even, even, you know, times where you didn't want to do it or where you were dreading it, like, you know, when your report cards came out and all that, like, it's still like, you can still see the effect that it has, you know, now. Um, it's a lot easier for me to, you know, I know my parents are, maybe were a little bit on the harsher side when I was, you know, growing up, but I think that time and that ability for me to, like, even though it was harsh, there was still a communication, mm. right? That ex- at least it existed. And so now that's kind of created a way or like a path to continue to communicate with them and tell them about, you know, how college is going and, you know, cause it's a, it's a big difference and all that stuff. So, that's you know, that's, awesome. that's the one thing I appreciate. And I think that as human beings in general, but specifically as Christians, what we need to do is um, always like the kanunia in mind, the community, mm. keep the community. Um, that actually, if you don't mind me interrupting, that's one thing that I would add too, is there comes a time in like every kid, and I went through this as well, where you become really peer-centric. Like mm-hmm. your friends are more important than everybody, yeah, 100%. right? And and it's natural to like go through that period. So one thing my parents did really well was our house was the hangout house. Our house was the spot. So like my parents were non-threatening people to the friends that would come and they would always like provide tons of food and it was like a safe hangout spot and we got to play outside and inside sit together have sleepovers but it was at my house i wasn't allowed to have sleepovers anywhere else but that ability to have my friends but under my parents eye and knowing that like my parents were the cool parents that always had the friends over it built so much trust still between us and it allowed me to like have that outlet for friendship without replacing my family connection. Yeah, and it also helps with, you know, as you get older, some things that, you know, maybe shouldn't happen or should happen. And I think that's one of, another thing my parents did very well as well is like, 
you know, it, it's the, it's all about the community. It's all about having people around you. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about the Coptic Orthodox Church is that it's a very extremely tight knit community. Mm. You know, like everyone else's parents are also my parents. It's not like, you know, like I have my parents, but then like if I go to this person's house, this person's house, like they're parents to me. They're not just like yeah. my friend's parents. Um, so I think that's one of the most beautiful things. I think as a community that we can continue to develop is, you know, remove this individualistic mindset that the yes. world is, you know, trying to put us in and continue to have that community of the believers, like Acts chapter one, Acts chapter two. Because um, I think that's that's really what it comes down to because as a, as a child, like, I th- correct me if I'm wrong, but like the first maybe six to eight years of your life is kind of like what you get from your parents. Mm. And then from like eight to like, honestly, to like 18 or 19, it's kind of just you just absorbing from the people around you. Yeah. And then you start to be able to make your own decisions, you know, kind of develop your mind. And I'd say for some people, it's even later than that. But like you start to actually become your own person. Mm. So I think that that aspect of eight to 18, that's where we see the most issues happen. That's where we see, you know, people falling out of the church, people, you know, falling in general in all aspects of life. So it's what can we do as a community to support parents and families in between that age range? Absolutely. Um, that is a great question. I, I know that in that age range, again, most of most kids are out of the house. And so it really, uh, sorry, I'm repeating myself so much, but it really is just, this is the central point. The moments of connection where they can release what's been going on their whole day in a safe place with their parents. I think that that opens so many doors because one thing like, Okay, I'll tell you, when I'm, as I'm homeschooling, a lot of people I encounter will say like, oh, you want to shield your kids from all the stuff happening. No, I, I don't want to shield my kids. I want to be the first line of defense. I'm not trying to keep them from learning about things that are weird that go on in the world. I just want to be the one that's feeding them the correct information because they, you know, they would spend so much time with other people, they would get all the wrong information. And it's so much harder to undo it than it is to just be the one that tells them. So I think if you are the front line of defense with your kids and you are making sure that you are the one introducing the topics and keeping it open and not making it embarrassing for them to ask questions or hard for them to ask questions, it won't be such a weird time from 8 to 18. I can respect that my my older daughter now, she's developing her own style, her own personality, it's hard for me because most of the time it's it's usually a pushback on mom and dad, but I can see, I have the foreknowledge or the foresight to say, you know, when she's giving me attitude about this thing and she's not just saying yes, I'm thankful because I know that she's not going to go out in the world and just accept a yes about everything, right? Like somebody can tell her something and she'll push back and say, I don't believe that or I don't, I'm not okay with that. So again, it just comes back to that moment of connection that they would feel comfortable to tell you what's going on and you would be a neutral party that listens and can guide, not judging. And then that those years, hopefully, <laughs> won't be as bad. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll be praying for you for sure. Hopefully, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully it, it is you know a lot smoother. And I think that's, I think, the one thing that within my generation of, of, of youth that we missed out on is that... Um, those those other topics, those things that, you yeah. know, you kind of learn at school. And I think now that the biggest issue is that the way they're teaching it in public education um, isn't really the most Christian way to be <laughs> approaching these subjects. So I think 
you know, now it's more than ever, it's important to kind of be able as parents and as, you know, fellow community members to kind of have that connection with those kids and kind of talk to them about it, not in like a, a weird way, but kind of just like making sure that, you know, they that they got it, that it's not like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally get that. <laughs> any, any last thoughts? Uh, no, I just, thank you for having me, first of all. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> and I really love hearing this other side of the perspective of like what I feel in parenting, knowing what you're thinking. Again, anybody that you can communicate this information with, I think it'll be helpful. So I appreciate this opportunity to kind of share my heart and you share yours. It was great. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. And uh, thank you guys for watching. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications and share. And see you guys next week. Thank you. Thank you.